five, four, three, two, and one. Fraser Cottrell, welcome to Cam Talks. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you, mate? I'm okay, mate. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a long time. We just discussed about how long it's been since we last saw each other, and like three years, maybe, maybe more. That's something like you're you're from my my dear community up in Manchester. That I I sometimes wake up in the morning and think, why did I ever leave? Um, yeah, but- most people do that end up leaving to London. Um, I mean, I'd question uh, your sanity by moving to London, but you know that's not my place to judge. So. No, no, but listen, I mean, you've always been very good at, at ignoring shiny things. You know, you you and, and, and the Fraggle team are so good at just staying on point with what it is you do. People like myself, mate, you get one job offer, you're like, I'm down. I'm in yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, like it, it's it's definitely been it's definitely been weird, especially over, you know, like ever since farming Fraggle and stuff like I've had job offers. People have given me offers and said, you know, come and work for me. I'll pay you this much. And, you can, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm sure. I'm sure that'd be really nice to do, and I'm sure my girlfriend would thank me for having all that extra money. But you know, it's just it, you spend it's not straight it yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but by the time I've told her about the job offer, she's already spent it. However, you know, like I, I just, I just could, I, I, I just couldn't imagine doing anything other than working for myself. It kind of seems bizarre. To be honest. Oh, mate. Well, it's wonderful. So let's let's do a quick rundown on who Fraser is and tell us a little bit about Fraggle. Okay, so um, I am the co-founder of a social-first video agency uh, called Fraggle Productions. Uh, we're based here in Manchester, and we basically make videos for brands to put online. That's, that's basically like the simplest way to put it. Uh, so anything from like paid social media ads to like organic stuff for, for like the purposes of eventually going viral. Um, work with brands like uh, Pretty Little Thing, Boohoo Man, uh, Nissan, Papa John's, like some pretty big names, uh, all from, uh, you know, 250 square foot office in Manchester. <laughs> uh, and there's, and there's only three of us. So pretty good. So I've not, I've not met, met your third one. I know Nick. Um, yeah. but so who's, so who's, so Hannah, Hannah is like account manager, kind of producer kind of picks up the slack from me and Nick basically. Uh, she came on as an intern about a year or two ago. Um, and then, yeah. And then she stuck with us um and now she's like full-time member of staff she helps us yeah with basically everything she writes the social rundown and stuff like that and then she works heavily on the business as well so it's um yeah it's good it's good having another person there that is isn't nick that i see pretty much every day so it's it's good and also it's it's good to have a girl in the office oh my goodness it's (laughs) so different like thankfully she she's uh she's very accepting of the of the boyish ways of the office um you know but she fits in really well you know she's um you know she's local to us so she has all the same you know pretty much the same friend network as well which is very weird uh but yeah no it's good it's yeah if you are two guys one guy that run an agency you need to get a girl in because it's just honestly the different points of view of the female perspective when they come into the office is a brilliant thing to have What's what's the, the the biggest sort of thing that you've learned um, working with with the opposite sex? Yeah, I, I think just having just having somebody in general being able to actually manage. I think like actually manage somebody is like the biggest thing, whether they're male or female, whatever. Coming from somebody which has had a business partner for so long, and we're both on the same playing field. You know, I can't really tell Nick what to do. He can't really tell me what to do. You know, but like 
having Hannah there is someone who is actually reliant on us to, you know, what am I going to do today, Fraser? Oh, okay, well, uh, you can do this. Yeah, but I think, especially since we work in a lot of very female-oriented like environments, like fashion we do a lot of, we do a lot with makeup and beauty bay and people like that. So having a female there to explain the female mind <laughs> helps a lot really when we're coming up with ideas. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, amazing. And so obviously you and Nick, I mean, you both seem like, you know, just ultra creative people. So having that kind of management person there is pretty integral to your, your growth, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, o- over, over the time, over the past, like, you know, three, four years that we've been doing this, I've slowly found, you know, kind of my footing in, in, in more of like the management side of the company, you know, like the business dev stuff, as well as, you know, like the day-to-day management of the company is, is, you know, like I never thought, you know, I did a filmmaking degree. I never thought in a million years I'd be managing a business. And like more and more that kind of world, I've, I've become more familiar with it. And I enjoy it a lot more. I actually enjoy being a business person and like, you know, saying that I run my own business and all the, the, the kind of stuff that comes with it. Whereas like three years ago, I would have been like, no, you know, there's no way that I could do that. You know, like me and Nick were talking, we were like, you know, if it ever does end up taking off, like, would we hire a CEO? Would we let somebody else come in and do that side of it? But like now, like I'm pretty happy in kind of the position where I am, you know, because we're a small agency, I still get to do creative stuff every day. I still get to edit client projects, but I also, you know, deal with all the client side of stuff. Whereas Nick is solely, Nick just does projects basically, you know, Nick doesn't really touch the client side. Anymore. That's incredible because, you know, being like having business forced upon you um, as a necessity, just because, I mean, let's face it, like, you know, we're, we're both, uh, you know, filmmakers, you're both did a film degree. And it almost felt like there was a time in sort of 2010, 2011, where, you know, these marketing agencies are mostly made up of like traditional people, like journalists or, or whatever it was. And suddenly, like video people just raise, rise to the top of the pile. And we had all these opportunities to work with brands and then suddenly an agencies. Yeah. And then you get a peek inside an agency, you're like, what a mess. Like, what's going on? Like, That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, 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 I've worked with my fair share of agencies. I've worked for a massive agency. And the same thing always happens when I come out of it. I'm like, I, I don't know how people can function in that environment. Like, I don't know. Like, the, the one thing that's always annoyed me about agency and work for someone else is just the fact that I could spend a week on a project. And I'm like, that is amazing. That's the best thing I've ever made. And then, you know, the boss goes off, presents it to the client, and they take all the credit. And I never get a say in. It's basically, oh, yeah, our video team did this. No, I did that. Correction. <laughs> like, that's always been the most annoying thing. And that's why I enjoy doing Fraggle and us being quite a small agency. Because whenever people say, you know, oh, you did really good work, people can put a face to the name straight away. You know, they, they you know, like in WhatsApp chats with our clients, they, they know who is working on what. And they'll be like, thanks, Nick, for that. Thanks, Fraser. You know, like it, it's much more, you actually get a sense of pride of what you're doing more than just, thank you, this agency, really great. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, you know, I, I completely feel you there, man. And, and it's weird because sometimes when you see these agencies accepting awards for big work and, and you see all these people and you're like, yeah, which one of them is the actual? Yeah, good? exactly. It, it, it's always the CEO up there saying, thanks everyone. My team did such hard work. Well, actually you were probably sat back in some other meeting somewhere else, meeting with another client, you know, mm-hmm. like most, you know, like as soon as you get past the, like, the stage of like 15 people, you know, normally the CEO doesn't deal with, you know, like the average day stuff anymore because they have bigger fish to fry. That's not their fault. That's just the direction, you know, that they went. You know, that's, that's why they have 15 staff so they can do that, right? So, 
yeah, you you find that that as soon as an agency passes about like you know fifteen people, you know that's it. Like you know nobody will ever get a personal thank you for what they do in anything. It's just a team effort. The thing is though is that like it seems like you're you're always involved in the work that you do. You're always on set. You're always in the edit. You're always... oh, you've cut out oh, the whole it? of that question. Your audio just it went. Will... We'll we'll try one more time. Right, go on. you're, you're always on set, man. Like, and, and I'm always wondering when is the day going to come when I see somebody else in your chair? Yeah, that's the thing. I'm doing all that stuff, but it, it's tough because I, I think that you know why should you grow for the sake of growth, particularly when you're trying to make the best product for your client? Like by nature, you growing is going to give them maybe more capabilities, but maybe less value. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, every single thing that we've ever shot, it will be the me or Nick there. Like you know, or the majority of the time, both of us. Like you know, that's you know, people know you know us as Fraggle. We are Fraggle. When we turn up, they're like you know, these are the guys that have been making our stuff from the ground up, right? And and I do, and I do really like that. And obviously, you know, we we do want to expand, you know, and I want to get another video guy in, you know, I want to get another editor. But I think that, that it's really important that the client does meet those people. They know who they're talking to, you know, and they're working on that project from the very start. You know, if I put a video guy and an editor on a job, I'd want them to come along with me to the client meetings to be like, okay, this is Tom, Dick and Harry. These are going to be working on your video, right? Because having that relationship is so much better than some nameless, you know, some some name on an email, which is being sent back and forth, right? So yeah, I mean, you know, I, I imagine there will come a time where I have to take a back seat and be like, okay, you guys go and do that, you know, but I don't know. I don't know where, whether I'm going to stay on the business side of it and just become like, you know, just the, you know, the average like CEO just runs the company or whether I'll just, you know, kind of take care of the creative stuff. I, I honestly have no idea. I'm so just kind of waiting. going to be the average CEO, mate. I, I no, never. You've, um, you've definitely developed, you know, yourself and your kind of career in a time that is just the most prosperous for entrepreneurs. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I see a huge difference between you and everyone else out there because you're not afraid to put your, secret online i mean like you've genuinely embraced the online community yeah so much so that like if anyone else wants to get in on this game they're gonna have to do much better than you and every day you're appearing on on my timeline and and it's amazing so tell me about the social rundown series because i first became obsessed with this when when you started it and and in all honesty mate i thought well it would be good for six weeks and then you know (laughs) yeah mate so did i don't (laughs) worry I, i i thought that as well yeah we started it so Basically, we the social rundown started because we moved into our first office, me and Nick, and we, and I was like, oh my god, I finally got all this space to film. I was like, this is amazing. Think of all the stuff I could do. So, and basically, when we first moved into the office, we had a bit of downtime towards like the end of the year. Basically, like most video companies do, they tend to you know have a peak in the summer, and then you know the winter is normally a bit pants because nobody wants to film. So, so we had this time, and I was like, I was really bored. I wasn't doing anything. I was like, I need something. I need something to do. So I noticed that I didn't see anywhere a place, you know, like a marketing agency making anything that was anything like it, like reporting on the news of their industry. It seems like a basic thing. They all do a blog. Every bugger has a blog. And it's just, I hate the written format. I can't write. I have dyslexia. It's the worst. You know, so I thought, okay, well, if I make a piece of content every single week, which is really easy to consume, the roundup of like the top five, top three stories in marketing and social media, People can watch it for two minutes. Well, it was meant to be a minute. That's that's where I started, but that went out of the window a long time ago. 
but it was meant to be like a minute they watch it and then that's it they know the three main stories that happen in that week so if they ever come in conversation when they're at a meeting or anything like that they have some kind of background story for what it was so we started doing it and then it just carried on basically it, it was just me for a long time doing everything i'd you know like i'd set up the camera everything like that and i'd you know present it really jankily to the camera and then when hannah came in one of her jobs that i tasked her because we kind of had like a bit of a break because basically we moved office i didn't have a proper space to shoot because it was a smaller office and it just it, like i didn't have the time most of all so Hannah came in and her first task I said to her was like, okay, I want you to take this on me to produce it. I want you to write it, everything. I want to come in on the shooting day, you know, cameras set up. I walk in, read it, edit it, you subtitle it, you do all the rest, you upload it, and then that's that. And then that's been like one of her main roles since then. So like and to tell me, where does she get this this news from? Because the the news is not just like, oh, you know, Facebook organic reach is going down. It's like this is game changing stuff that is like so quick from where and where the hell does this marketing news come from, man? Yeah, well, I, I, it, basically, it's like Hannah throughout the week will monitor like a few blogs, a few, you know, kind of things to kind of see what's happening, uh, as well as like LinkedIn and stuff like that. Like, you know, a lot of people post social news before anybody else, Twitter and stuff like that. We're starting to use like social listen, listening tools now. So, like, you know, you can create a feed of, you know, your main kind of things that you talk about so whenever they're mentioning rss feeds or on twitter by a certain influencer it'll come up and Isn't then that a little bit you know, weird though man like the whole social listening stuff i feel like it, it, it's it's really kind of it scares me a little bit that yeah it is it, it, using it, this data against us like, yeah what? well i mean for, for for us and i think for a lot of like news sources it's just the quickest way to find stuff like you know like i can if if facebook release a new feature the second that such a blog reports it or you know such a you know like somebody that like leaks the early stuff as soon as they tweet about it i have it on my feed and we can add that and we can be the first ones to talk about it and that's how so you know social is reactive in nature you know unless you're fast on things it isn't going to happen right so yeah so hannah is like monitoring all this stuff throughout throughout the week she'll be adding it to yeah to, to like a script and then she will on wednesday she divides that up between headline stories which i'm going to report on friday and then lesser headline stories which then go out in our newsletter on a wednesday basically incredible man i can't believe the amount of knowledge you have of social media like just considering the fact that you know even when we first met it was like you you and nick were very much like give me a camera i'll go and shoot something and watching your journey particularly from you know, the start of the social rundown, but seeing the amount of knowledge that you've gained and, and it's all forever changing, right? I mean, social yeah. media is just a... I don't know. How do you feel about social media, man? Do you yeah, feel, I, feel I like mean, it's just too much? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, Nick knows nothing about social media. Nick is like, literally, like, Nick doesn't really touch Instagram, doesn't, you know, he, he basically doesn't do much on social media. So it's like, I'm normally the person advising on all that stuff. I'm the person the clients come to to talk about this stuff. Nick just makes the films and that's that. And that's <laughs> fine, you know, like, but as a social first video agency, we need to have a good knowledge of what works on social and what's changing because what changes in social can affect everything so massively. I think, I think social media is great in proportion, the same as everything, you know, like as part of my job, I have to manage Instagram feeds and I have to, you know, like I'm logged into like five or six Instagram pages at a time. And I find myself, I very rarely go on my personal Instagram page anymore. Uh, it's kind of just, just it's, there. It's not tough, mate. You used to yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. But, but, but because I just, I, I, 
it, it, it became obsessive and I was like, you know, and I was on it all the time and I just didn't, I didn't see the point. You know, I, I don't want to be a photographer. I don't want to be an Instagram influencer. You know, like I, I want to run my own business and I want to, you know, like it was just distracting me from what is actually really important. So now I just use it to see what my friends are doing. If I put, if I take a nice photo when I'm going about, then I'll post it. And I think too many people take Instagram and stuff so much more seriously than they should do. And it becomes, you know, kind of obsessive and, you know, and especially I understand that it is people's jobs and stuff, but if it's not your job and you're doing it because you feel like, you know, one day you might go viral and this and that. I'm going to be honest, if you've been at it two years and you haven't gone viral, it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, but like... But this is really tough to swallow, man, because, you know, all of these older companies who never wanted to embrace digital have now been hit with, you know, coronavirus like everyone. And it seems like they suddenly now realize the value of digital. And you don't think it's a bit too late? I mean, I, I, I kind of want to say this to, to some people that I meet, but you're a bit like, oh God, you know, your business is going under. Yeah. Time to be building. Oh, for sure. Audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that that's the thing that you know, like for instance, the social rundown has a, a like a bunch of people who watch it every week, regardless, right? And that's because we've made it for two and a half years. You <laughs> know, yeah, exactly. Like, like that's because we've been making it for two and a half years. Like, it, it's not if I, you know, and that's because of the following that we've built over that time, right? If you suddenly decide to do, you know. If you suddenly decide to start posting on Instagram every single day, it's going to take a year or two for the algorithm to even realize what you're doing. Like, you know, it, it's not, you know, like we, you know, we, uh, perfect example of like starting from scratch, we have a makeup page and it's, it's just hit 100,000 followers today. And that we started in September last year. And we posted, we've posted every single day. At the start, we were posting every single hour of the day. Wow. Yeah. And that, and that got us in, in the first month, 100 followers. Why, why do you do this, man? Why, why do you create social accounts? So I know that you see you have a beauty account and then the Schmidt, Schmidt is it? Uh, have, Dwight Schrute, yeah, The Office. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, see that, so, so all that was just my hobby and now that's turned into a completely different business away from Fraggle. So like that, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it, I, I just found myself in this position where I was earning money from Instagram accounts and from Facebook accounts and I was like, a lot of people do it, but none of them turn it into a business and then, you know, actually scale up from that. So that's what we're doing at the moment. So like, with, you know, we're looking at like seed and investment for that and stuff like that. So that'll be a, a completely different beast in like a year's time, hopefully. Oh, um, well, you know, no, it, but, it sounds like a good time to be, um, you know, just reconciling your thoughts, figuring out like where Fraggle's going to go next. Because, I mean, I imagine that the work, um, you know, uh, had a sudden stop to it when all this is... Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, shooting stopped. Basically, there's no other way that you know. Like, I saw, I saw some people like the, the second that the restrictions were lifted, they were trying to get jobs, and I was like, it's not, it's not worth it. I'm not into it. Like, until I can guarantee safety for my for my staff, for the staff's family, for everything like that, we ain't going nowhere. Like, because the, you know, the the last thing that I want, and I'm sure the last thing a client wants, is that somebody comes into contact with somebody that has it, they take it home and they see their grandma and the grandma dies. Like, you know, as, as horrible as that sounds, I imagine that happens a lot. And I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of the second wave. So for us, we've just basically said goodbye to shooting, you know, until there's, you know, like a vaccine or something has, you know, there's been a groundbreaking change in what's happened. 
Wow. That's a um, real shame, man. Like, I, I know the equipment that you guys have, and I'd hate to think it's gathering dust right now. Yeah, it literally is in our office. Like, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's insane. Like, everything, it's, 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 like a, it's like you walk in there, everything was set up the same as, like, oh, the day oh, we oh. left. It's really depressing. But, like, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, like, we, we aren't, if, for instance, you know, like, we do a lot of e-com shoots and stuff like that, which is in the studio. If we can do that, and, you know, like, even Nick can just go in and do that on his own, which a lot of this shooting is, then that's fine. You know, like, or I can go in on my own, and we can do it that way. Like, that's fine. You know, we can still serve quite clients filming like that. But in terms of filming with a crew and filming at a client's premises and stuff like that, probably not going to happen for a while. And I think one of the main reasons it's not going to happen for a while is because the clients aren't willing to make the risk either, to be yeah. quite honest. That um, makes a lot of sense, you know, particularly the clients that you've got, you know, like if they're bringing in, uh, you know, particular creative or talent or whatever, I mean, they don't want to take that risk, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's not right now. I don't think it's worth it. I've spoken to other video agencies and they're, they're starting to get some inquiries, but no, I, I, I know very, very few people which have actually taken solid bookings unless they already have big connections in marketing agencies and stuff, which have been plowing at this, you yeah. know, while lockdown has been gone. But, you know, you know what? This has been one of our best quarters because we've, you know, because we've fully focused on like our editing side of the business and we've taken, you know, numerous new clients for editing their YouTube videos, stuff like that, you know, stuff that was kind of taking a back seat back then and, you know, is now like one of our main pieces of income is that we edit for people, you know, That's like amazing. LinkedIn, you know, like, like we do LinkedIn uh, content plans where we edit their LinkedIn videos, uh, you know, so they can make original content. We edit for YouTubers, we edit for, you know, CEOs to make their like blogs and stuff like that. You know, so it's been it's it's been a real time to focus on something new and kind of grow our skill sets outside of just filming all the time and being very reliant on one source of income. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense, man, because you know, whatever the the thing is you're currently doing, it, it's not gonna go out of demand when suddenly, you know, the the walls are lifted. Yeah. It, it really is, you know, it's a, an innovative time. And and what I what I say is like, you know, I started Channel Talks podcast same time that Fraggle started offering podcasts and it's no secret that I I, I stalk you every fucking day because yeah. like genuinely I'm like listen I have not got time to be looking at this person's profile this person's profile this person's profile I've only got time to go and look at one person's profile and it's always going to be yours you know Thanks. purely because I'm like I don't care how inspiring your bloody team is or this or that and like LinkedIn just drives me fucking nuts oh, I hate dude, it so big much. time yeah uh, it's just, I just, I, what it is, is like, it's a social platform that I don't want to be on, but mm. I'm on it. And so yeah. in my head, I'm like, well, what the fuck am I even doing? What, what, um, what content am I making for people that is useful? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah See, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, you know, I have a bit of a love hate relationship with LinkedIn. I hate some of the people that are on it. They, you know, they drive me mad with their inspirational stories and they're, you know, like standing up for causes they don't really care about all the time. You know, suddenly, you know, people that I've seen post racist stuff are now the biggest Black Lives Matter supporter going. It's just, you know, it's 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 a people pleasing platform because you have, you know, the the chance of getting a client on it. You know, but I make content on there because it is a lot of my target market on there. There's there's no other way to look at it. So I make content there that is providing value and helping people out. And I will make that content, I'll post it up. And I probably won't touch LinkedIn for the rest of the day until I reply to comments, you know, because there's no, you know, uh, that I'm sure I, you know, I'm sure I probably should be doing that, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going on the platform when I posted something, I'm just kind of like using it to spread some value, spread some love. And then, you know, and then I'll go do something else because 
it's just another platform to look at, right? It's such a, it's such a time store as well. It just takes drains all your time. And, and I think the thing that, that gets me is the fact that if you really want to get out of LinkedIn, what you, you put into it, yeah. you have to be active. And, and, and this whole social selling uh, phrase, when I heard that, I, I just thought, isn't that like contradictory towards being social? Is yeah. it trying to sell me something? You know, and I see people do it, you know, um, uh, yeah, it's so funny, man. The yeah, I mean, LinkedIn has really helped us grow our inbound a lot, you know, like, especially for our LinkedIn, like content packages and stuff like that. I don't approach anybody. People come to us, you know, they will message me and say, Fraser, I love what you're doing. Can you help me do the same? And I'll be like, yeah, there you go. Done. There's our deck. Tell me what you think. There's our prices. Let's have a phone call. And then that's that. Like, it's helped us grow that, you know, inbound massively. Uh, you know, and I know, you know, for some other similar people that they only get inbound from LinkedIn, you know, because LinkedIn does work, you know, it is, it is a very powerful platform if you're not trying to sell to people 24 seven, if you're trying to do that and you're sending people cold messages, it's not going to work. It's past that now. Oh, mate, but it's not even them sending me a cold message. It's like a robot that's like yeah, yeah. high cam. And, and I don't really know where this all started or where it's supposed to finish, but I've got a big issue with the fact that no one really talks a lot about, I, I think that you've, uh, you've definitely covered the subject at some point. Um, but it, it really annoys me, particularly when I think it was yesterday, I updated my, uh, like, you know, my, my tagline and it was just like from co-founder to founder. And I got like a hundred messages, people telling me like, Oh, congratulations, Cam, on your new thing. And I thought, how did they all message me the second? Because yeah, yeah because, because in LinkedIn premium, you can see when everybody changed their job title. So the second that they do that, they'll have a bot that detects that and then sends out a message. It's, you know, they, they, this is the thing that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's e you know, any social media platform is easy bottable and you can, you know, put stuff like that. And, you know, there are a lot of agencies which their whole, you know, their whole business model is based on getting a robot to send messages and it doesn't work. And the reason people don't talk, talk about it is because a lot of people use them, you know, and they, you know, they, they, there are different ones. People are making changes to these bots to make them more of a, like just a time-saving tool in general, you know, for instance, like whenever, whenever people add me as a connection and I can see they've watched my content, I will actively message them and be like, thanks very much. You know, like I've seen you in my comments, you know, like, thanks for watching, you know, hope you continue to like, that's something a bot could do essentially, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like it's, it, you know, and you can still make it personal. You can still make the message personal. That's something a bot can do, but I'm taking time out of my day to do it. You know, that's one way that you could, you know, still use a bot, but just mm -hmm. to save time and not to just sell something. Hey, dude, I, I, I've, I've used so many fucking robots in my time just to try and figure out stuff. You know, I, I don't believe in innovation unless you're willing to test stuff out. And, yeah. And it's incredible. Like, you know, and I've, I've recently been working with, uh, an entrepreneurial um, incubator where they've taken all of my podcasts and they've been trying to train AI to automatically cut up everything and title it and all this kind of stuff. And, and of course, you know, it sounds great until like 10, 10 p.m. at night, I get a phone call from them saying that their lead investor wants to see this machine in action and it doesn't work. Do you mind if you quickly edit these 30 pieces of content? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, okay, this is clearly not, not, not going to work. But listen, I mean, so the, the future of social media, um, from my point of view, it, it, it runs on people like yourself who are willing to be open and honest at all, all points. I'm not going to name any names, but there, there's particular figures in, um, in the marketing world and industries that have quite clearly like, um, been very against this like, unauthenticity. 
But I've noticed that a lot of people's accounts grow very quickly in certain times. And so my question is, you know, isn't all marketing a lie? And isn't the idea of us to have these huge 250,000 followers just social proof? And actually, do I care if I have to buy 250,000 followers so that my investor thinks that I'm popular? Yeah. What the point? Yeah, well, I mean, that, you know, that, that there is one of the main issues that, you know, a lot of brands have is that, you know, they, they reach a point in their business. A lot happens again and again with fast fashion brands. Perfect example. Fast fashion brands, by nature, they use social advertising to reach their target market, right? You know, a girl guy sees an advert on Facebook for a new top, they'll click on it and they'll, they'll go and buy it. That's how fast fashion works. That's the nature of it, right? That advert needs to be delivered via a social media account, okay? Most people will click on that social media account to see what else they're doing, to see what else they're selling, especially on Instagram. A lot of people will click it and they'll say, oh, this has 25 followers. Well, sketchy, no thank you, not buying it anymore. The person hits that fashion website, they see they have 100,000 followers, they're like, oh, well, you know, thank you very much. They don't pay attention to the like ratio, the comments, because to them, like you said, it's social proof. Mm. That's how, that's the attitude that a lot of these big major fashion brands have. I know for a fact that there are some of the biggest fashion brands out there and the way, you know, you, you can watch on their social blade how this works, okay? They'll be gaining, you know, 1,000, 2,000 followers a day, average for, you know, a fairly large account. And then suddenly out of nowhere, 2.1 million, boom. And you're like, how's that happened? They haven't bought them because buying followers, awful for the, for, for, for the algorithm. They're not real people. They drop off after about, you know, like two months or something. Instead, what they're doing is they're approaching meme accounts which have you know been been posting female oriented memes or anything like that and they will buy that account they'll say how much do you want for this account they'll say i want you know because instagram accounts are worth a lot of money they'll say i want five and a half thousand for it they'll go okay and it's got you know two two million whatever they'll quickly flip it so they'll rebrand it they'll put you know phrases fast fashion on it you know they'll rebrand it to look like them and then they have people at Facebook, at Instagram, that can merge that account with their main account. Dude, this is some scary shit, man. And no, no, can I, nobody is talking about this, but it happens on a daily basis. That's how they grow. Dude, I look at taken, look at any fast fashion brand. I've taken screenshots of particular people's social blade um, trajectory, and I've always compared it to like Gary Vee because I genuinely feel like he's like just made it organically, yeah. and it's changed. Like I go back now, and it's changed. Like it, the the data is different. Yeah. And my question is that who the hell gets access to Social Blade management in order to try and cover up their problems? Because if you're an influencer and uh, you're working with an agency who does influencer marketing, they're going to know very, very, very quickly whether or not you are legitimate or not. So my, and genuinely, like my concern is that you know I've I've been screenshotting this stuff because I just I have to document when I see a massive spike. Yeah. Suddenly, I go back to it now, and by the way, I still have a whole folder full of screenshots. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the uh, FBI and the Epstein thing. I'm like, yeah, but I've got a folder full of yeah photographs that I'm sure would never like to get out. But that's the point about marketing is that you can do anything 
when you get to a certain level. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, and one of the main things about this is that a lot of the platforms are perfectly okay with that. Like they, you know, for instance, they, you know, like Instagram and Facebook, well, Facebook, basically, they, when you reach a certain level because of how much ad spend you've given them, you know, and you, uh, they will essentially give you a, an, an account manager and access to a load new suite of tools, which allows you to basically do everything. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't like, know you that. know, you can, you know, that, that's how they merge these accounts because they have that ability. If I want to merge two Facebook accounts, I have to make sure they're a similar name. They're not over 50,000 followers and I, you know, all this stuff that I have to tick to go through. And then the chances of it actually happening are pretty minimal. If I want to merge two Instagram accounts, I can't. It's not, it's, it's not possible. But if you have an account manager, you spend enough money with Facebook, you can do whatever the hell you like. It's crazy, man. Like all this perception of like you know, bigger, bigger than others. Like I was on QuickBooks uh, Facebook page the other day, 1.8 million followers, and seven people were watching their live stream. And it wasn't just any other live stream. It was a live stream with um, the founder of Frank's PR, which is one of my favorite PR companies. And I was just so shocked. I'm like sat there thinking, like, like, where's the 1.8 million people? You know? Yeah, and, I mean, the what one of the main issues that that Facebook have you know, with a lot of this stuff is that the numbers basically don't mean anything anymore. Facebook are a money grabbing platform. They want your money to do anything. You know, if you want to grow a Facebook page, you know, you're, you're, you're basically the only way to grow a Facebook page now is by spending money on ads. It's, it, it's the only way, unless you instantly get a viral hit, which is not going to happen, then, you know, you, you, you simply aren't going to grow a Facebook page. So what, what they've probably done is that 1.3 million likes might be real. They might not have bought them, but they've probably run adverts in order to get that. Those people have clicked like, or, you know, they've, because running adverts in nature, people end up following the page. We run Facebook ads, we get followers every day. They don't really mean anything. You know, they just, they've just followed us to be like, oh, maybe one day I'll use these follow. So that's what you find a lot of them is very few are highly engaged, you know, profiles and stuff like that. So, but do you think yeah. Facebook care? I mean, is it is it the fact they already have Instagram that they're like, well, if Facebook's not that that great for a few years? Yeah, like- I mean, they you know they 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 they're seeing the trend that young people are dropping off Facebook. They you know you have to be blind to not see that. Like you know, you young people are, are dropping off Facebook and they're going, oh, well, it's all right because we've got Instagram. It's fine. They can go wherever they want. You know, Facebook will just become. A social media for the older generation, which is fine because, you know, what generation do people want to target in, you know, if they sell mortgages, they're going to want to target, you know, older people, you know, if, you know, if, if, if fashion brands want to target young people, go to Instagram, that's fine. They aren't bothered. They're still making as much money as, you know, as, as, as you know, four, four years ago, you know, they aren't, you know, they aren't, uh, my, my they aren't bothered. Is this, Fraser, who's the, who's the, the, the best and the worst social platform, just from a, an ethics point of view. Um, because Twitter seems to me, and this could be clever marketing, but they seem like the most decentralized, the most kind of yeah honest. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Twi- Twitter have, have have really started to make a bit of a turn. They were kind of dying for a little bit. I thought that Twitter were gonna, you know, kind of be the next to the graveyard. I thought in in terms of you know, kind of like how social media platforms work, but they've seemed to do a turn and. The user base is growing. You know, the, the CEO actually knows what he's doing. You know, they, they, you know, like the way that they banned adverts about, you know, political parties and stuff like that in October, you know, like they are making, making moves to make the place a nicer, a nicer place. 
people talk a lot about the hate and stuff on Twitter. By nature, the internet is going to have a lot of hate. When you've got a user base that big and people get angry, that's just what's going to happen. I think TikTok is the worst. I think TikTok is, they're already finding themselves in a lot of hot water. That's only going to continue. Um, people say that the audience on there is going to age up. More people are going to come to it. I, I think before it ages up, it's going to get shut down or people are going to just lose interest because of how bad the platform is. Um, I think, you know, I mean, there aren't that many other platforms like, you know, Instagram are innovating and they're doing new stuff. I, I really like Instagram as a platform. I think it's really great, but they need a way to reward their top content creators because soon enough brands aren't going to want to pay direct to these people to get an ad or anything like that. Uh, so they, you know, they're going to need a way to reward it. Facebook saw that change. They saw that they were content creators on Facebook and they decided to reward them with different schemes like, you know, in-stream ads, stuff like that can be a real moneymaker. Uh, you know, now they have the Facebook gaming and stuff there. They're really putting the, the content creators first and going, okay, you guys are making content on our platform. We're going to give you a cut of the money that we make. Instagram are hopefully going to be doing that with IGTV, but unless they do that soon, they're going to see a lot of influencers drop off there and go to the next big platform because they aren't getting paid for the work they're doing. It's crazy, mate. It seems like these platformers need the content creators one moment and the next moment they just need the money. And then they need, yeah, the, exactly. and they need the money. So this isn't, this is fun. So out of all of the, uh, the top CEOs in the world right now, if you could take a guess, which one of them do you think would want to run for the president of the United States of America? Oh my God. Um, because I've got a strong feeling that with Trump opening the door to like this celebrity president, that yeah. actually few of them may want to, I mean, I've never seen Mark Zuckerberg wearing a suit as much as I have recently. Yeah. So I'm a bit like, hmm, that's different. Can you imagine Mark Zuckerberg running the USA? I'd blow my brains out. The world would be over. Access to the uh, electoral role. Yeah. The, oh my God. <laughs> the data, the data he could mine on his own. He accidentally sets a back door to the, to, to, to every sister. Yeah. I have no idea. That's, that's a really difficult question. But I, but, but I do agree that Donald Trump doing this, like, you know, celebrity presidency is definitely going to open the floodgates to the more well-known, you know, people who are going to go, you know what? I have the money, you know, I can do it. That, that that's the main thing which is the challenge is do they have the money to do this because i mean you have to be rich but you have to be okay, who, really who has rich the money then so jeff bezos has the money yeah uh, bill gates yeah uh, bill gates would be a great president i'd get be. behind but, but bill gates seems like a really nice guy he seems to you know he he believes in the causes he is an actual person that cares about the planet that he's on you know proven by the fact that he's even said he doesn't want to he wants to die with like zero money in his bank account you know he wants to give it all away to people you know he has the right attitude to money is that you know everyone has money at some point in their life they might as well do something good with it right um bill, for yeah, bill gates would be great i love that yeah well, the thing man is like so you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all this stuff, massive eco chamber of just like group things. And recently I find myself, um, you know, digging into some conspiracies because I'm a bit like, you know what, like, you know, confused. Yeah. Now I've just read a conspiracy about the fact that Bill Gates may have released the coronavirus because quite clearly he mentioned about pandemic five years ago. No, and, and you think in your head, you're like, okay, well, that's clearly not logical at all. And and, you know, I understand why you'd be emotionally invested in that conspiracy because it sounds great. Isn't there a problem now with social media that, like, fake news is just news? And that actually yeah. what we yeah, know yeah, is that, 
Yeah, I mean that that that's one of the main problems that a lot of you know, especially Facebook and stuff, is that people people love a headline, right? People love a headline. All you need to see is big bold letters on the page, and you instantly believe it. You know, and that's one of the main problems. And you know, some of the people, you know, I mean, geez, all you you know, like the all you have to do is look on like a you know, like a typical news website like the Sun or the Daily Mail. Go on the website, turn off advert blocker. And then tell me that they, you know, that they aren't trying to harvest clicks for money. Like, come on now. It's insane. You know, like our, this is a good example. So our, our other business is, um, it's like a, a social based business. And we, we have a website which reports on Netflix news and stuff like that, basically. So we got last week, 1.3 million views on our website. Wow, that's incredible, man. In a week, okay? All that traffic is from Facebook, okay? We don't have that, that much of reach. Think about the Daily Mail, one of the biggest like, news Facebook pages. The clicks that they are bringing in to their, you know, and, and the ad revenue they're bringing in, would you, would you not then get corrupt and go, well, I can do anything for a click, right? So they pick up on these fake news stories and they go, all right, well, you know, all we need is somebody to click on it and give it one scroll and we've made, you know, two pound off them, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, and then they can go to the advertiser and say, okay, last year we had, you know, a hundred million clicks, you know, your advert could have been seen by this hundred million people. They aren't going to ask, oh, well, what articles were those on? You know, they're, they're going to say, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. Money makes everything corrupt and especially in the news industry, you know, like the, that the second that they can see that, you know, as soon as clickbait is a thing, you know, fake news becomes just, you, you cannot, you cannot control it. It's depressing as shit, man. I, I, I can't, I can't stay happy in an industry that is so just, I don't know, it feels kind of full of lies in a way, but and I think this is why particularly during lockdown, it's been really tough for me because, you know, I, I, I care for people. I care, I care about the social issues of the world. And I, I may be feeling like now I've seen so much badness uh, in the last several months that it's it's almost time for me to just say no more social media. You know, I, I, I can't deal with this anymore. I mean, how do you think our own mental health is going to evolve if social media platforms don't? Yeah, I, 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 think, I think the number one thing is people need to learn to regulate their use of social media. You know, you cannot go on the, the, the way that young people do. And even, you know, people, people our age, you cannot go on the way that we do using social media like we do. You know, that's the reason that I, you know, have stopped using Instagram on my personal profile because it became obsessive. You're constantly checking crap. You don't, you don't, you don't care about, you know, you, you don't, you don't, you know, if, if somebody mentioned this in a conversation went, oh yeah, I saw that Terry posted a photo of, you know, him and his wife out for a walk. All right, great, fine. But as soon as that's on Instagram, they're like, oh, I like that. Thank you very much. I'm sure they're having a great time. Like, it's just stuff that you don't care about. And, and I feel like a lot of people feel the need to post this so that they feel like they're still in, in the forefront of people's minds. You know, the same way that, you know, when, you know, like the, um, uh, the pandemic started, you saw celebrities coming out of the woodwork left, right, and center because they realized, oh, hang on, I'm going to get forgotten in a minute. So I better do something good. I better do something on television so people remember that I'm still here. It's the same thing going through people's minds. Oh, I better post a Snapchat story. I better post an Instagram story in case, you know, you know, people forget who I am. That's, that's what it is. It is this case that people don't want to forget who somebody is. You know, they, they, they want to feel special. 
And the easiest way to do that is, you know, through social media. Too many people think other people care. Mm. That, you know, like, I, I don't care if you just painted your bedroom. You know, I don't, I don't care if you've, you know, you know, what your granddaughter got for, you know, for a birthday. If I care, I will ask you. You know, I don't even need you to post on social media for but me, I, but they I feel the need to do that. If you don't care about it, then, then the question is, well, why do people feel the need to post things? And, and I, I find myself... Because that, they want people to care. Ah, but of course we all want people to care because, you know, like as a business owner myself, I want people to know about my business, but I'll be damned if I ever tell people that. Like, mm. I don't know why, like, because as, as a business owner, it sounds, oh, yeah, look at that platform, go and do it. But I just feel like, is that the only way that I can actually do this? Is if I become that Gary V and I go and do craziness? Because I look at people like Logan Paul, probably one of the best, you know, YouTubers in terms of like making money. And like, he's not just understood it. He's lived that life 100%. And you have all these kids coming up. Well, I'm going to do Logan Paul. I'm going to do Logan Paul. And are they not just going to waste their entire life chasing a dream when they're not really understanding that it's not about the posting. It's not about the scrolling. It's about going and doing shit. Yeah. I think that's that's the thing I'm kind of worried about the next generation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, the dream job for most kids now is a YouTuber, right? And you can see why. Like, you know, I, it, but, but again, it depends on what your ulterior motives are for that, right? If you just want to be famous, then go on Love Island. Like, you know, that's, you know, that, that's, you know, if, if you want to be famous, go on a reality TV show. The chances are you're going to become famous. If you want to be famous for doing nothing, go and do something like that. But if people want to become YouTubers because they really love gaming and it's their outlet for doing this, you know, being able to, make a YouTube channel where they play games all day, that's what they love to do, then absolutely go for it. Like, you know, there, there is nothing better, you know, you know this, nothing better than doing what you love for a living, right? So if that's why some kid wants to be, you, you know, wants to become a Fortnite YouTuber, then go for it. But, you know, I think, I think that the, the nature of how we live now is that anything is possible to be a job, basically. And so, you know, and so that's why kids want to be YouTubers and stuff like that. But I think a lot of people just want to be famous for doing nothing, you know, and Instagram seems like an easy way to do that, right? Yeah, and, and it's tough because obviously uh, if all your family's also on Instagram, I can't imagine what it's like in lockdown with like families who are just obsessed with kind of social media. It's probably um, quite a lot. Listen, what's, um, what's the sort of best piece of advice for, you know, and I, I don't want to sound cliche, but like people wanting to like start out today um, making content like like the way that you make content like what's what's something that they wouldn't probably hear um, anyone anyone else talk about um, that it's really hard everyone ev- everyone makes it makes it seem like it's really easy and nobody ever mentions how time consuming it is and you know and and, and how and how much it damages relationships you know with your friends with your you know with your loved ones you know because it does you know it it it, it takes a toll that's why you know some CEOs go through tons of wives and, you know, stuff like this, because it is really difficult to do what you love and create stuff without upsetting other people in the process, you know? So, so I think that if you're looking to, you know, to make stuff to, you know, to do what you love for a living, you are going to have to be prepared to, you know, to make some sacrifices and get people in your life that understand, you know, your, where your priorities lie, you know, and the, and to kind of share those goals with you and, you know, help you achieve them because it is really really hard you know it's really hard constantly worrying whether you're going to be able to pay rent next month 
or you know like it's and still making videos constantly. yeah exactly you know it, it, it it's, it's a really difficult thing and i think too many you know too many people say you know just work at it it'll be great but just work at it you'll also have a lot of mental mental illnesses but you know it's it's, it's going to be great it'll work out one day right uh, you know, that's kind of the attitude I think you have to have is that, you know, work out one day, you know, as long as you put up with all the crap that goes along with it. I love it. Wonderful answer, mate. Well, look, I mean, just lastly, um, what's, what's kind of next for, for Fraser? What, what do you, what do you want to focus on in the future? Um, I'm not sure to be honest. I'm kind of at, at a bit of a crossroads, you know, like, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at buying a house and actually like becoming an adult for once in my life, you know? So, so, so like all, it's like, I think it, it's more of a time now for me to see what's actually working in my career and what I'm just doing because I, you know, because I feel the need to do it, you know, and kind of really focusing in on what I enjoy doing and making that actually pay more than wasting my time with stuff that, you know, doesn't really need my time at all. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too nice to a lot of people. I, you know, I, I kind of say, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do that when actually, you know, I, I don't have time for it. But um yeah, I think, you know, kind of focusing, focusing on the things that have shown success, you know, whether that's, you know, however you measure success, you know, but focusing on those stuff and, you know, kind of growing Fraggle to be something more than just the three of us, you know, being something that we're actually creating content on a regular basis, some really cool brands that we care about. Um, yeah. Living life uh, up north, mate. I mean, this, this is why I, I miss Manchester because it's like, you know, you don't need a lot to be happy in Manchester, where in, in London it, it's because it, we don't have a lot to be happy for. That's, I mean, currently looking outside, it's absolutely cacking it down. The only thing I have looking forward to is McDonald's for lunch. That's like the only thing that I'm looking forward to at the moment. That's, that's, um, that's good, man. Well, look, dude, before we go, um, where can people find you? Uh, you can you can search me out on LinkedIn, uh, Fraser Cottrell on there, probably the easiest way for people to connect to me, or just anywhere, search my name, and I'm sure I'll come up. Um, you can check out our website, fraggleproductions.com, uh, and find out more about what we do. And yeah, just, just the regular stuff, just search my name. It'll come up somewhere. It will come up. It, it's famous now. You know, I mean, you're well, either that or the algorithms just know that I always click on you first. <laughs> That's what it is. They know that I'm your favorite person to, to, to visit. That's exactly what it is. Oh, I love it dude. Thank you so much uh, for joining me today. And I wish you yeah, the, the best uh, in the future, mate. Cheers, dude. You too. Thank you. 